BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Football 24-7 across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Breaking news in South Philadelphia. NFL insider John McMullen returns from MGM Grand in Las Vegas, makes it back to Philadelphia and finds himself in a whirlwind of, uh, of moves and changes and adjustments. And Gardner Minshew is now QB2, and there's all kinds of stuff, Johnny Mack. Uh, and I want to make sure that we get your perspective and your deep dive on the game. But let's get everybody uh, up to speed. We're live coming out of the Nick Sirianni press conference and we're bringing you this here. On, we're, we're coming here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Yeah, so the Eagles moved Joe Flacco back to the Jets. The Jets uh, need a backup quarterback. Uh, Zach Wilson's gone down with a PCL injury. So it made a lot of sense from their perspective. And we've talked mm-hmm. about where the Eagles are in this particular season at 2-5. and five. You know, you have a veteran player who's not going to be here long term if you can spin them off and get something for them. It was probably the the prudent thing to do. The Eagles get a conditional six-round pick and can go up to a fifth, depending on how much Joe Flacco has to play. And he's gone to play because they don't have a legitimate backup quarterback to Zach Wilson. So um, we'll see how quickly they can get him up to speed. Obviously, it's a different coaching staff, so even if he's there, there's a little bit of change. But um, Joe's been around for a while, so – you know, good luck to him. Uh, was here for a very short time, but obviously a South Jersey native. You knew something was cooking. Really, the first domino, the Eagles claimed a quarterback off waivers from the, the Miami Dolphins, Reed uh, Sinnott. Um, And you say, well, what the heck is going on? <laughs> you don't need four quarterbacks. And, oh, by the way, they released long snapper Rick Lovato to make room on the roster uh, for the new quarterback. So obviously you need a long snapper. So another shoe was going to drop and that was the Flacco trade. Um, 
to the New York Jets. Once that becomes official, uh, the Eagles will bring Rick Lovato back. He's a best in veteran, so he doesn't have to go through waivers. You can have that wink-wink deal, say, Rick, we're going to bring you back. We need the roster spot. That's sort of what the – it's been a theme in the NFL this year with long snappers. You'll probably see the league shut that down because they're not going to like the way teams are manipulating the rules. But the Eagles took advantage of it, so he'll be back. Uh, so that's sort of all the mechanisms that, that went on with this particular trade. And obviously it opens the door – Gardner Minshew to be the second string quarterback dressed every game a play away and he's getting closer and closer and you know last question for Nick at Nick Sirianni's press conference uh, which was pushed back twice because of this trade that was the reason so all the conspiracy theorists can calm down he wasn't getting fired he wasn't having difficult discussions the Eagles we're just in the midst of this wrangling and this trade and we're going to hold off until it was completed and, and Nick Sirianni could talk about it. But um, as far as Gardner Minshew, you know, Nick Sirianni said he's not considering a quarterback change at this point. Um, but if Jalen Hurts continues to play the way he has, over the past uh, number of weeks, that will change quickly. Um, and now we got, I, I wouldn't say a quarterback controversy, but at least the inkling. So that should excite Xander Krause a little bit. The inkling of, look, if things don't turn and turn dramatically pretty quickly, we're going to see Gardner Minshew at some point. It, the only question is when. Well, we're two and seven or two and five, seven games in. Oh, don't get them to two and seven, Krause. <laughs> I can't recall one time during the first seven weeks where the call was out there from the fan base for Joe Flacco. But I can already hear the call for QB2 Gardner Minshew. This takes the lid off the bottle uh, pretty quickly, John. Well, it might from the fan base. I don't think it takes, you know, the, the Eagles aren't planning on starting Gardner Minshew at this particular point or anything of that nature. The difference is pretty obvious, though, in the fact that, as I said, you know, Joe is 36 years old. I mean, um, Obviously, it's not a long-term answer here with the Jets or anywhere else. Gardner Minshew's 25 years old. He's got technically a lot more experience than uh, Jalen Hurts. He's got 21 career starts in Jacksonville um, and was able to do some nice things as far as putting together <clears throat> statistics. But you know, it's the same thing. It's, it's, I talk about this all the time with Jalen Hurts. People look at his statistics. They're not that bad. They're, they're, you know, but you see it week after week, you give up 30 consecutive points in the guts of the game when the game is being decided and it's a 30 to seven football game. 
Well, I don't care about anything that happens after that. There's no sense of urgency from the Raiders' standpoint. They're letting their foot off the gas a little bit. And this has happened on more than one occasion in fourth quarter. Same thing happened against Tampa Bay. Same thing happened against Dallas to a certain extent. A little bit against Kansas City. For lack of better term, a lot of garbage time yardage for this team. A lot of garbage time statistics, which are meaningless to me. But I, but I will say, same thing happened to Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. They didn't win a lot of games, Krause. Um Let's see. Of those 21, well, Jacksonville, you started nine games last year. Jacksonville won one game. I mean, there's not a lot of winning with these two quarterbacks. And look, I said it yesterday on the post-game show. I'm going to say it today on Football 24-7. It's becoming clearer and clearer each day the long-term answer at quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles isn't here yet. Isn't here yet. And, you know, it's going to be tough to get me off that, that, that thought because I can't see either of these two players changing the Eagles' thought process at this point. Football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen. Don't forget to like, share, and continue to subscribe. Thanks very much for uh, tuning in to the Jacob Media YouTube channel all day. Uh, and then, of course, tonight live now here with Football 24-7 uh, with John McMullen. I do want to get some uh, game day <clears throat> a deep dive thoughts from you uh, John McMullen, about the game last night. You certainly had uh, a full day of travel to process, I'm sure, a lot of different uh, thoughts that we'll hear from a little bit tonight and then uh, and then throughout the week. But I do want to ask you a little bit more about Nick Sirianni's press conference today. Um, at some point, the conversation outside of the fishbowl needs to boil into the water and Nick needs to start to address himself being questioned. For example, the call yesterday, should have he, should he have accepted the penalty? Should he have not accepted uh, the uh, penalty? What is your thought about it? Well, I, I don't think, um, look, I don't have a problem with, uh, Either I have a problem with the execution. I talk about it all the time. Obviously, if you're and this is kind of what upset <clears throat> Fletcher Cox, he didn't like the defense called on the play. Uh, you're talking about, you know, whatever it was, third, I don't have it in front of me, third and 13 versus uh, fourth and three, uh, whatever it was going to be. Now, the problem, the disconnect, and Nick answered this question, the, the, the disconnect was, People saw that um, oh, uh, that Las Vegas was essentially giving up. They were sending that they're they were not going to go for it. Now Nick's thought process was, um, if that was us, we would go for it. Uh, we would go for it, and that's why I wanted to push him back. Now at that point, uh, Cleep Blakeman, who was the official, got it wrong. Uh, Nick was yelling at him. Uh, saying, no, 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 we, we want to take the penalty. 
And by that point, you have this convolution of people seeing uh, Las Vegas indicating they weren't going to go for it. Um, and that's where all the disconnect comes from. He took accountability for it. And he also said he'd do it again. Um, so, you know, when you're third and 13, it, it, you got to get off the field. You can't, you can't play a football game. And I get where people are saying, look, this defense hasn't performed. Uh, you know, people are completing Derek Carr 90% mm. of his passes, 90 plus, 80% for four different quarterbacks, 80 or more. You can't assume. If you're going to play a football game with the assumption you're giving up third and 13, well, you're going to lose the football game. That's that's what you play for. That's what you play for on defense, third and long, to put the offense in a difficult situation, whether they're going to punt the football, not convert, or even better things, you know, trying to press the football, interceptions, turnovers, things like that. That's where you want an offense in third and long. So I think everybody is missing the bigger point here, the fact that they can't get off the field in third and long. That It's the way this league is going. You saw the Eagles. It was fourth and one. It was really fourth and inches at their own 29, 30-yard line, whatever it was. They didn't want to give up the possession, and they converted to their credit. You go back last year, forget about five years ago, they would have punted that football. 95% of the teams, more than 95, uh, would have punted the football. Now people don't want to give up possessions. So when you're fourth and three, I mean, there's a pretty good chance in the modern NFL that that at that position on the field, people are going to go for it. That's what the Eagles thought. They ultimately were wrong. But I think that there's a disconnect saying, oh, well, once he saw them indicate they weren't going to go for it, he should have changed your mind. You can't change your mind. He told the official and you can't wait then and see, okay, this is going on. No, no, no. I'm going to change my mind. Once you make that decision, you make that decision. Uh, by the way, just so, uh, just so I understand, because um, I was confused by it uh, when I watched it in real time, how does the official make the call if he's not being told that they're declining the penalty? Like, how does that happen? He just assumed that they were uh, declining the penalty. Do you know? Well, that no, that that no, because we didn't have a. Uh, it wasn't as big as a controversy. It's probably only a controversy in Philadelphia because they got blown out of the game. Now, say for instance, that cost the Eagles the game, and it was a close game, and that was the play that shifted gears. Um, and, and everything turned on it. Well, then, you know, they would have made Cleet Blakeman available to a pool reporter to talk about it, something of that nature. But, you know, in, in the guts of a game, it's just another play. It's just another situation where uh, the Eagles weren't able to get off the field 
from a defensive standpoint. And that's the bigger issue. I mean, that's what you want. Third and long. It's exactly what you want. And they weren't able to get off the field. John, let me ask you this. Just because you say that you would make the call the same way again, and then in today's press conference, I heard that reference to double down. Just because you're willing to double down on a decision, no, it doesn't, doesn't make, make it right. right. Doesn't, doesn't make, make it right. right. No, no, and that's fair. Um, and obviously, but I say this all the time, and you know it, and you've heard me tell you this, Krause. People don't judge play calling, or in this case, decision making. They judge results. If 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 the result was good, nobody would care. Nobody would care. People would have maybe risen an eyebrow and said, "Oh, I would have, you know, I wouldn't have done that. I would have kept it at fourth down." Um. But the the bigger problem, which to me too many people are missing, is. Yeah, you have them third and long. Even if you think it's a bad decision, get the hell off the field. You know, Fletcher Cox, you think it's a bad defense. You got third and 13 here. Get them the hell off the field. That, to me, is the bigger problem, by far the bigger problem. John, what do you make of uh, the Fletcher Cox statements uh, after the game yesterday? I mean, you've been around. You've been around a lot of great players. You've interviewed and been in a lot of locker rooms where leaders have been frustrated based on what's happening. You have to have, I'm sure you do, a reaction when you hear Fletcher Cox come out and say what he said. Now, to me, that sounded a little bit more than just frustration. I don't know. I don't deal with play, the players. You do. You deal with the stars and you deal with the 53rd player on the roster. You know, so you know. But when Fletcher speaks in that tone, to me, there's something there. You know, for him to say it, there's something there. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about that far before he visibly showed his frustration on the podium. It's clear he doesn't like playing in this defense. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, uh, you can see both sides of it, to be honest. Um, Fletcher's had a lot of success uh, under Jim Swartz in that system. He likes it. He'd prefer to play that system. Um, and he's not playing that system. Um, on the other hand, you know, a lot of these same fans, they didn't like Jim Swartz and the way he played defense. So it's one of those things where, you know, let's be honest, everybody wanted Doug Peterson fired. Now they want him back. Now you see the other end. Everybody wanted Jim Swartz fired. He didn't get fired. He left on his own accord, but he's gone. Now everybody sees the other side of the fence. Now they want Jonathan Gannon fired, Nick Sirianni fired. At what point does it stop? You know, you have to let people grow, especially with young coaches. 
I don't know what people were expecting. This is a very young coaching staff. There was going to be growing pains. I've been talking about this since day one. There was going to be growing pains. You're now living through those growing pains. Is it? But would you say the growing pains are yielding progress or the growing pains, you know, are turning this team into a dumpster fire? Um, I, I, I don't think this team is a dumpster fire. Um, I would have to, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I think there's overreaction. I mean, yeah, look, I thought this team would be two and four. They were two and four, um, at Las Vegas. Thought it was a winnable game. Turned out to be not a winnable game. They did not play well at all outside the first drive, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't even care. Once it's 37, I don't want to hear about uh, garbage time points and garbage time yardage. I don't care about that. So I'm not making that excuse and saying it's better than it was. No, they were destroyed out in Las Vegas. They were never in that football game uh, once the Raiders took control. Um, so it was a bad performance. Um, they don't have a ton of talent. They don't have great personnel. Um, they don't have a great quarterback. It's tough to win consistently in this league without a Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Great quarterback. I mean, look at Derek Carr versus Jalen Hurts. Derek Carr is not great. Good, solid quarterback. It's hard enough to win with a guy like that. Now, go out and win with a guy who who who's not performing at the game's most important position. It ain't easy. One player, one player comes in, turns the corner, and this team is all of a sudden the Raiders. Not great. Five and two, if everything falls correctly. So I think I think there's a lot of overreaction because there's tremendous growing pains with the quarterback and the head coach and the young coaching staff as a whole. But I, I do think it's an overreaction. <clears throat> Football 24-7 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel with NFL Insider, the well-traveled 
John McMullen, home from um, Vegas, uh, only to begin planning his trip to Detroit. I don't want to talk about, we'll save the Detroit conversation uh, for later in the week, Johnny Mac. I did want to get into the football game a little bit. Now that you've had a chance um, to at least process a little bit, um, you know, what you saw, you know, I like to call it the McMullen deep dive. You know, there's the initial reaction that you provide on the live post game show. And a lot of that reaction is immediate reaction. Um, and then it's fueled by sitting in on the press conferences and listening to Goddard or Jalen and, and head coach Nick Sirianni. And then it's, and then you go to work. Then in, in your next 24 hours, you start to get into a deep dive. Tell us what you saw. What did you see um, that we may have missed um, in that game uh, as you started to analyze it the day after? Well, I, I'll tell you what I didn't like. And I didn't like the desperation um, you know, I talked about the fourth and inches and, and not wanting to give up um, a possession um, deep in your own territory, but it worked. So people like, you know, people don't care. You yeah. know, we talked about the decision, um, you know, which turned a fourth and three uh, that the Raiders were going to punt on into a third and 15. And that was the Zay Jones big reception on, on third and 15, which, oh, by the way, in the end, that was also the drive where Avante Maddox got the interception. So I kind of doubled down on why are people so obsessed with that? Because it didn't even hurt the team in the end. Now it's frustrating. You don't give, you don't get off the field, as I mentioned. And that's the bigger issue. You know, you got to be able to get off the field on third and 15. I think I think I said it was third and 13. It was third and 15. I, uh, you got to be able to get off the field on third and 15. That That's the bigger issue. So I do think there's this, um, you know, sort of being in that forest, you know, and you can't see because the trees are all surrounding you and you can't see the bigger issue, you know? So we talk about those garbage time points. Well, let's look at the, the numbers, uh, Krause. Uh, the Raiders had 442 yards. The Eagles had 358. Well, that doesn't seem that bad. Oh, but it was bad. It was 273 to 118 at halftime. Mm -hmm. When the game was being won, when the game, when the Raiders were scoring 30 points and without an answer from the Eagles offense. So, you know, who do you want to blame? There's plenty of blame to go around. Obviously the defense has taken their hits because of what Fletcher Cox said, rightfully so, but you know, there's no law, as far as I know, you're not going to get indicted for scoring some points of your own, even if the Raiders are scoring. Um, so, again, when you're sitting there and you have the great first drive and then it's 30 nothing Raiders mm. from that point forward, you got to find a way 
to help out the defense a little bit with some kind of offensive momentum and they just weren't able to get it. So, um, I, I, you know, give me three players and I can turn this team into five and two, give me a quarterback and give me two linebackers. And this team goes from two, two and five to five and two overnight. John, let me ask you this. And I, I, posed this question to Dan Cilio last night in our post post game show to try and get some understanding and some clarity. Cilio, as you know, uh, defense, uh, you know, great defensive player uh, understands that side of the ball. Jonathan Vilma, whether you like him as an analyst or not is begging on air last night during the game. He's pleading for the defense to do something, to change up, to blitz, to do something, to stop being so vanilla, to do something to change the narrative that was unfolding in front of him, what he was watching. Why, why not? Why didn't they? Well, I, I will say this about defensive players and, you know, whether it's Dan or uh, Jonathan Vilma or Seth Joyner, who gets very emotional, um, all defensive players want to be aggressive. All of them, every single one of them. Um, it's not always the best decision, Uh People say, well, how can you play this defense? Well, Tampa Bay played this defense and won a Super Bowl and had one of the greatest uh, defenses of the generation just playing simple cover two on basically 90% of their snaps. You know, but you had Warren Sapp up front. You had Derek Brooks, might be the best cover two linebacker in the history of the NFL. You had Rondé Barber, you had John Lynch, you had Hall of Famers at all three levels of that defense. I don't think anybody would be, be complaining about that Tampa Bay defense who plays more cover two than the Eagles. So the point that you can't succeed playing the way the Eagles play, that's, that's not true. That cover two has been around for a long time. I don't like it personally. Same thing with RPOs. I don't like it. I'm I'm like a lot of people. It's to me, it is uh, too easy for the great quarterbacks. And by great quarterbacks, I mean Tom Brady's, the Peyton Mannings. Because remember, the goal is, <clears throat> and and the Eagles have more often than not succeeded. They came into that game. <clears throat> Second in the NFL as far as giving up the least amount of, of explosive passing plays. I don't think people realize that. Second in the NFL. They don't give up big plays. Um, you know, that was Tampa Bay's goal back in the day. Don't give up big plays. And if you're forcing offenses to go 10-play drives, 13-play drives, 15-play drives against Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and John Lynch, 
they're going to make a mistake. And they made mistakes. And they made a lot of mistakes. The Eagles are trying to do that. And they don't have that personnel. So you see the 10-play, 13-play, 15-play drives. And when Tom Brady does it, it doesn't really upset me because Tom's going to take what you give him. He's going to just go methodically down the field and he's going to, he's going to beat that every time. And then you, you might have something and say, okay, yeah, you got to change things up against Tom Brady. Um, Against some of these other quarterbacks, Derek Carr, who, as I said, is a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. Even Dak Prescott, very good quarterback, not Hall of Fame quarterback, although some people think he's on that route. It's a little bit more disappointing. It's a little bit more disappointing when you're seeing just good quarterbacks being able to consistently march down the field and take whatever they want. The problem is he doesn't have the linebackers. He can't, he's got nobody for run support. He's got nobody for pass coverage. Defense is a personnel issue, completely a personnel issue. But Rodney McLeod had the best quote because Rodney McLeod said the same type of thing as Fletcher Cox. You know, you you got to play the defense that is called and you got to make that call aggressive from your perspective as the player's perspective. You know, in other words, you got to perform. You got to perform. So Jim Schwartz played cover three. People didn't like it. Jonathan Gannon plays cover two. People didn't like it. The most honest thing Jonathan Gannon has ever said, and he said it on more than one occasion, everybody runs the same stuff. How do you execute that stuff? That's the key. You can blitz. Good luck. Who are you going to blitz? Alex Singleton? Gerard Avery? Eric Wilson? Go blitz. See how you like the 60-yard touchdown. Well, it might get them it might get them off the field a little bit quicker at least and get the offense a couple more cracks. Is that, is that good? Is that offense being on the field? Is that a good thing? Well, what, this offense or an offense in general? No, this offense. I mean, people have made that argument. Well, give up. That's Kansas City's argument. Kansas City says, all right, we'll give up the big play because we're going to score. Not this week. And they're not playing. But at their at their height, and really the best example would be the greatest show on turf, Rams. The Rams didn't care. The Rams did not care. They would turn the football over. All right, we're just going to go down. We're going to shove it down your throat because we're so explosive offensively. It doesn't matter to us. Um, Kansas City was able to do that. This team's not capable of doing that. One 80-yard pass play, you saw it with Tyreek Hill. It breaks their back. I mean, they can't play from behind. So, uh, you know, what I said on the postgame show to Derek and Mark and Devin was at least I understand what Jonathan Gannon is trying to accomplish. I understand it. 
I don't understand what Nick Sirianni on the offensive side of the ball is trying to accomplish. Well, Nick and maybe is- it's just the limitations of the quarterback. I think that's, you know, I think that's the case. You better hope it's the case if you're an Eagles fan, because I've, I've said this pretty consistently for a number of weeks. If it isn't, and it's just that there is no plan, there is no identity, there is no understanding of what this offense is. That's worse than just, mm-hmm. I can't do much with the quarterback I have. NFL insider John McMullen here on Football 24-7 across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Johnny, let me get one more thought, and I appreciate you working through this um, live hit on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Head coach Nick Sirianni is going to tell you that the buck stops at his door. He's the head coach, or as you've referred to, the head coach is the CEO. Is Nick Sirianni know what he's doing? When you watch the game, John, do you think, I'm not talking about making a mistake and learning on the job. I'm talking about his football IQ to be a head coach in the National Football League. What do you think? No, I I think Nick is fine um, as far as being uh, understanding about offensive football, understanding his football IQ, I think is very high. I think the issue, and I tried to get Nick on record. You didn't want to do this. Um, like, who's helping him with game management? Who who was helping him? I, we just explained what happened in the the third and fourth down. Why isn't somebody in his ear saying, "No, they're 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 sending the punting team out"? You know, who who is that guy? Who is this Ryan Paganetti? He won't say. Now. He says it's his it's his responsibility, <clears throat> so he doesn't want to uh, throw anybody under the bus. But the reality is, you, you, when you're the play caller as well as the head coach, you got so many irons in the fire. You know, you need help. You need delicate, especially when it comes to game management. You know, should we um, should we challenge a call? Um, that fourth down, you know, analytics situation, fourth and three versus third and 15, you know, where's that coming from? The onside kick, Nick spoke about that a little bit, which by the way, had a chance to work. If it were a little bit of a better kick and popped up, Jake probably would have gotten it. Um, You know, but those are the types of decisions where, you need help. You can't do everything yourself in an NFL game. Um, I'd like to tell you I know how he's delegating, who's helping, who's doing this, who's doing that. But Nick isn't as honest about that kind of stuff as Doug Peterson was. Where, you know, Doug would tell you at least, you know, off the record who's doing what, who's doing, who's helping me with this. You know, and Ryan was designated the game management coach, you know, he had each assistant helping him with the game plan, specific uh, parts of it. You know, a certain coach handled um, two minutes, 
four minutes, uh, third down package. Obviously, Jeff Stoutland, the running game. You know, Nick certainly has people helping him, but he admits he's got to delegate a little bit better. Uh, and I think that point, and that's part of the on-the-job on the learning aspect of being a head coach in the NFL. There's no, there's no primer. There's no starter class. There's no, you know, it's not like college where you have the, the 100 classes and then you go to the advanced classes. No, you're thrown into the, the fire and you learn on the job or you don't. Um, and right now it doesn't look good, but, you know, the lines are coming up. The Jets are coming up. You might see Joe Flacco in that Jets game. <laughs> the, Giants, the Giants are coming up twice. Right. You know, the Washington football team and Taylor Heineke are coming up twice. There's going to be a chance to win some football games. Now, if they start losing the teams like that consistently, then you're going to have to have some deep discussions, difficult discussions. NFL insider John McMullen <clears throat> here across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, special thanks to everyone joining us here live tonight on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, and all of your comments coming in throughout the live uh, segment will carry over. Birds 365. John, will you make it to Birds 365 tomorrow? I don't know what your week looks like, but what does it look like? Well, we don't even have the schedule. Yeah, I'm going to be there tomorrow. Um, you know, Wednesday, I assume, is going to be COVID testing. Um, and and we'll see from there. But hopefully, you know, I got I got no sleep. So I'll be up, though. I'll be there. I'm, I'm going to end our segment tonight with the one, two, three, four, five, six words that I jotted down today from listening in on the press conference, waiting to do the report only because it was so late. I never get to listen to the press conference corrections, standard business as usual, frustration, autonomy and rhythm. okay for everybody to define what they think they mean. I'm not really sure. But good stuff today uh, from NFL insider John McMullen. Um, the MGM Grand is now a better place, Johnny Mac, because that's where <laughs> you were <laughs> while you were. It's a better place because I left. That's, a, yeah, that's why You were in place. Vegas. All presented by Stateside Vodka. Go to statesidevodka.com. Use that keyword, Jacob. Great stuff, Johnny Mac. Thanks a million, brother. All right. Thanks, Krause. All right, see you next time. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.